Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Welcome back to the 10 Adventures podcast. I'm really excited to speak to our guest today. Um, Our guest is Aaron Owens Mayhew, who is a long distance backpacker and also a dietitian and the owner and founder of Backcountry Foodie. Now I followed her work for quite a while already, so I'm really excited to be able to chat one-to-one with you, Aaron. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Oh, good. Well, tell me a bit about you know, how you came to find uh, or found a backcountry foodie? It's a little bit of a story. Um, I just stumbled upon it. Um, What had ended up happening was back in 2016, I was getting close to my 40th birthday. I'd been in my career. I'd always been a dietitian. That's all I've ever done. So I've been in my career for a long time. I had achieved all the things that I thought I was supposed to achieve as a 40-year-old. I had a house, I had a nice car, a nice job, you know, a good relationship, all those things, but I still wasn't happy. So something was wrong. Um, So I decided to up and quit my job, which my family and my friends thought I was absolutely crazy because they're like, you're turning 40, you should be working on retirement, not quitting your job. But I was just like, I'm so miserable. I've got to do something. So I decided to through hike the PCT, the Pacific Crest Trail. So I thought, well, five months in the backcountry, that should give me plenty of time to have some self-reflection and figure out what the heck is going on, what I need to do um, to figure out what's next for me. So what ended up happening in preparation for that is being the dietitian, and at the time too, I'd been a long distance trail runner. So I had actually had a hard time keeping weight on just being a trail runner. And I was only running, you know, long days on the weekends. So I was going to be covering similar miles every single day for five months. And I knew that was going to be a huge problem keeping on the weight. And I was pretty lean, so I didn't have the 30 and 40 pounds that some of the hikers have to lose. Um, so in preparing for that, I started panicking because I couldn't figure out what to eat. Mountain houses are too bulky, too expensive, a lot of sodium for five months. Um, so then I started looking at cookbooks of backpacking food. Up until then, I'd only eaten mountain house because I'd only ever gone backpacking three to five days at a time. So I'd never made my own food. So I started looking into all the different recipes available and being the nerdy dietitian type A, I was looking at this doesn't have enough carbs. This doesn't have enough protein. Like these recipes just aren't going to do it for me. So then I started tinkering in the kitchen and lo and behold, like, I was like, oh, I think I can figure this out. So, and two, when I started figuring out in the Sierra, I'm going to have to do a 10 day food carry. It's like, that's a lot of food and you had to put it in a bear can. So I started panicking about that. Like, how on earth am I going to do this? Um, So I figured it out. I ended up doing a really good job and it just, lo and behold, some hikers caught on. And what's some of the funny stories is that people would wait and they would text me. I just started Instagram. I had no idea what Instagram was at the time. One of my students did it for me. I was like, I don't know what this is. Um, so hikers were following me on Instagram like, hey, Aaron, like, when are you going to be at the next town? Are you leaving any food in the box? <laughs> so so by that, they wanted to they wanted your spare meals that you didn't need anymore. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a good side, hey? Uh, that was a good sign. I was like, well, okay. Like there were a few things I wouldn't eat. So I'd leave them in the hiker box. Um, so it just, it started out as that. So it just kind of something that happened. Um, and it picked up some steam throughout the hike. Um, fortunately I wasn't able to finish because I got injured. Um, but then I also ended up popping onto the Appalachian trail the same season and doing 500 miles. So people are kind of catching on there at the AT, 
got injured again. Um, so, but then when I got home, I was like, well, maybe I can do something with this because I was like, I really don't want to go back to my old life because I wasn't happy. This is kind of fun. The following season, I kind of tinkered around with it some more. And the following season, I hiked the Oregon Coast Trail, did the same thing. That time I cold soaked everything uh, for 485 miles. So then people were like, wow, yeah, wow. <laughs> like, you figured this out. Um, so after that trip, I wrote my first cookbook and then realized I'm not a publisher. <laughs> like it took a lot of work. I don't know how to market a book. You know, I don't know how to get it into bookstores and those kinds of things. And by the time you publish, you make maybe $3 per book. That's not going to pay the bills. So then I rethought some things and then fast forwarding another year or two, um, ended up starting a website. So we started a meal planning website where all my recipes are there. Um, and at this time, my husband also hit the same point that I did. So he decided to quit his job and join on Backcountry Foodie full time. And at the same time, we sold all of our things, moved out of our house, sold our cars and lived in a sprinter van. <laughs> so we started all over like we were both at 40 by then. So both actually 42 or so, I guess, by then. Um, so we just left it all behind and we put all of our energy into developing Backcountry Foodie and the website did that for two and a half years. Once we got it all up and running, my husband kind of got to the point. He's like, well, all my jobs are done for you. I kind of missed my job. So now we are actually on the coast of California where he has a new job and I'm back in a house, which <laughs> feels a little weird. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask, are you still in the Sprinter van there? <laughs> no, we actually just moved out uh, fairly recently. So to be honest, I'm feeling a little claustrophobic by these walls because I was used to living out. In the, we lived in the wilderness full time. Um, so we lived on BLM land, National Forest. Um, it wasn't until the end where we started really missing hot showers <laughs> that we lived on campgrounds. It just got to the point where we were a full time online business. I was teaching virtual master classes um, and just it's hard to get a good sales signal when you're in the wilderness. So, Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. That's a big issue. And you've done, you haven't just done the PCT and parts of the Appalachian Trail. And I think you mentioned the Oregon Coast Trail. There's other trails you've done too. Is that right? Right. And last summer I did the Colorado Trail. I didn't get injured that time. I learned some self-care techniques and I was completely fine, feeling strong, but I got a cold, a respiratory thing. So I was absolutely miserable for it started about 100 miles in. I kept hiking and pushing through it for another 200 miles because I was like, you know, I didn't finish the AT. I didn't finish the PCT. I'm going to finish this. <laughs> but I just got so sick that I couldn't do it anymore. So I gave up at 305 miles out of, I believe it's a little over 400 or 385, something like that. I was about 150 miles short. Yeah, I was so close. But I was absolutely miserable. My husband was like, what are you doing to yourself? <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll quit. And then that's again, now we've moved on to the full-time backcountry foodie online. So we've got members around the world. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, sounds exciting. It's interesting because um, I've been doing a lot of backpacking in the last number of years. And um, like you, perhaps in 2016, I've have been eating quite a bit of, you know, dehydrated meals for dinner, you know, the pre-prepared ones, but they, when you've been doing that a lot, it really does get boring. I, I can't stomach them now, not because they're bad, but because I've just had a few too many of them. So that's why I'm so excited to hear about what you're doing, because it sounds like, well, especially if you were doing a five month, you know, through hike, uh, I could see you definitely get really sick of what was available that was pre-prepared for you. 
Well, and even since then, I've transitioned to foods that I eat normally at home and foods available at the grocery store. So originally, I, a lot of the backpacking foods are kind of weird. A lot of the recipes are kind of different. So I've since transitioned. Like I said, I just take regular food that I normally eat for dinner and I've transitioned to, to dry ingredients. So I feel like I'm eating a normal diet. Wow, that sounds really great. I guess then you can also adjust it for what your tastes are at the time, too. Mm -hmm. Right. And I eat them at home when I don't feel like making dinner. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're out in your van, too, I guess, eh? Well, that's good. You know, I thought that it might be interesting to start off with just some basics about fueling for backcountry or outdoor pursuits. Um, you know, for people who, because, you know, you hear so much on the internet about all these different ways of eating. There's people who's keto and they're vegan and, you know, which is the best way to eat. Um, and I thought maybe, you know, from a dietitian's point of view, it'd be interesting to hear just like the basics of what are, what are we aiming to do when we're back there? Well, it's personal preference. So if keto really works for you, then follow keto. If you're vegan, then you absolutely continue following your vegan diet. We're vegetarians. So absolutely continue following your diet. You don't have to be a carnivore all of a sudden while you're in the backcountry. You can continue doing what you're doing. It takes a little more effort um, because not all the foods that you normally have at home are available as backpacking foods, but it can be done. I think generally speaking, people tend to undereat, which is a, a big problem. It's the two pound per day rule that I absolutely hate. It's my, ugh, it's my pet peeve um, because people tend to just throw two pounds worth of food in a bag and assume that that's enough. But depending upon the quality of that food and how many calories per food they're in there, you could actually be under eating significantly. Um, so I think a lot of people might be feeling more fatigued than they need to. They're not recovering as well. Um, so I think they might, at least this is, I can attest to this back when I first started that I just thought, well, backpacking hurts. I thought I was just tired all the time. When in fact, then I was under eating. As soon as I started paying more attention to what I was eating, I felt better. And now I don't feel like I'm starving all the time. So I don't think about food all the time. So I'm actually able to spend more time, like actually enjoying the experience instead of just being tired. So I think that's kind of the general what's going on with people. So for under eating, you mentioned a few, like, um, cause, uh, I wonder myself if I do that, would that be like, you mentioned fatigue, um, like how, how would you get a, a cue? How, what cues would your body give you to tell you you were under eating? Well, for me, it, it's hitting the wall essentially, or bonking, whichever term you want to use. Um, and it's very, I know exactly what's happening with me when I'm doing it. My legs start getting kind of like, they turn into jello. I just start slowing down all of a sudden. I get really cranky or hangry. <laughs> and then for me, the final stage is I actually get super emotional. I will sit down and just cry for no reason until I eat and then I'm fine. So I've actually, I burned through all of my glycogen stores by that time. But now I've learned through experience to like, as soon as I start getting weak legs and I need to eat immediately. So those are some of the signs there. Um, but in terms of like knowing when you're under eating, what I recommend people doing is look what you eat at home. Like, Think about, do you eat 2,000 calories at home? Are you packing 2,500 calories for your backpacking trip? That's not enough. If you're going 10 to 15 miles per day, then you're burning through what you would already normally be eating on a day that you're not active. Um, so that's why I kind of encourage people just to think backwards as to what you do 
um, and then add on to it for your backpacking trips. So if you're going to be out on a long day trek, then um, does that mean you're eating multiple times throughout the day or does it matter how you get your calories? I mean, I know uh, we talked to a fellow who did the Appalachian Trail and he decided he was going to lose weight while he was doing it. And uh, I think he was eating just like once a day. He did lose a lot of weight, but I'm not sure he I'm not sure he felt that great. Yeah, you're going to lose a lot of weight. <laughs> right. Um, and speaking on that, one thing that I'm concerned about with people that choose to lose weight on the trail is that you're not making a lifestyle, a long-term lifestyle change, is that when you finish your trail, you're not able to continue hiking. Well, most people aren't able to continue hiking 10 to 15 miles per day. You're not able to maintain that level of physical activity. And if you haven't necessarily like changed your eating habits that led to that excessive weight gain before, then you're unfortunately you're going to gain that weight back. So it kind of makes me sad when that happens that I hate to see people rebound uh, for that kind of thing. But going back to how often to eat during the day, that is absolutely key. That's the one thing I preach all the time is that the key is to eat consistently throughout the day. So your body's continually fueled. So even if it doesn't have to be like three huge meals, um, if you want to snack all day long, that's totally fine. It's whatever your preference is. Um, you just need to keep fueling your body throughout the day. So I typically recommend, especially if you're out for like a full day, is every 60 to 90 minutes, eat something. Even if it's just like a little snack bar, a handful of pretzels or a handful of nuts, something. Um, so you're always giving your body energy throughout the day. So you're not hitting these highs and then your body metabolizes, then you hit a low, then you hit a high again at lunchtime, then you hit a low. So you're just feeling more even keels from beginning to the end of the day. And so when you changed your eating uh, and started doing that more, did you find the miles easier to get in? Oh, absolutely. And that's what was so funny is on the PCT, I was keeping up with 20 year olds and they were like, what are you doing? Like you're 40. How are you able to keep up with me? And they were eating the traditional hiker diet. So they were eating like these super high calorie sugary things in the morning for breakfast, not eating until lunchtime again, and then going into town and eating like burgers and all these kinds of things. Um, so they're just, they weren't fueling themselves the right way. And I had paid really close attention again, being a long distance runner, I knew I need to eat. Uh, I just had had that experience prior to, so it was kind of fun. I was like, wow, like I figured this out. I can keep up with these youngins. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, I think I need some of that too then. Yeah. <laughs> Things have changed quite a bit in five years. I can't keep up quite as well now, five years later, but at the time it was actually, I felt pretty good about it. Oh, that's a, yeah, that does sound like a big change and a, a welcome change too. What do you say to people who lose their appetite when they're hiking, whether that be from exertion, because I know some people, their appetite falls when they're exerting themselves a lot or even more frequently related to altitude. You know, often people will say they're quite nauseated or they just have no appetite when they get higher up in elevation. And I've learned this with experience too, is I'm a huge believer in meal replacement drinks. Um, and this is the only thing that saved me uh, for the Colorado Trail last summer because I was so sick. Like I had zero appetite and I love food. I mean, this is what I do for a living. So for me to have zero appetite for 200 miles, and again, I know I need to fuel my body. So I lived off of meal replacement drinks. I only ate solid food once a day. I mean, other than like my body felt fine. There was no muscle ache, no fatigue, those kinds of things. I just felt sick with a cold. 
um, and I recovered fine. Um, so I would have a smoothie for breakfast. I would have a drink as a snack. I'd have another smoothie for lunch. And there's a whole other story of the Colorado Trail. There's storm anxiety that was going on. So I didn't want to stop until late afternoon to actually eat, which is another reason why I like the meal replacement drinks is if you're like, I got to go, 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 go. And you don't want to stop. Um, they're a really great way to still get in the nutrition. Um, so then I'd finally have a solid meal around two or three o'clock in the afternoon. And then I'd have another smoothie before going to bed. And that's what I did for 200 miles and it worked really well. So that's something I really encourage people to try. When you're talking about meal replacement uh, drinks, um, what kind of thing are you talking about? Are you talking about carrying some whey powder with you or? So again, what time? I've developed 16 different recipes. <laughs> Freeze-dried yogurt is one of my favorites. There's tons of protein in it, tons of calories and carbs. Um, and you can actually find it in the grocery store in the baby food aisle. It's the little baby yogurt melts. Um, and if you put them in a coffee blender and grind them up into a powder, they rehydrate almost instantaneously. Um, so I'll put some freeze-dried yogurt powder, some whole milk powder together. Um, I even grind up nuts. Um, almonds grind up really well. Um, so that can kind of use that as a nut powder. Freeze-dried fruit grinds up really well. Chia seeds are amazing because they add a lot of extra nutrition. So they're actually a really small volume too. And that was important too when I didn't feel like eating is that I would eat eight ounces of water and then I was done. I just had to drink that little bit and then there was 600 calories and the protein that I needed. Um, and then one of my other favorite recipes that a lot of, they're called one of my foodie fan favorites, <laughs> um, is the Carnation Breakfast Essentials Powder. Um, I know a lot of hikers will use that, but I add whole milk powder and peanut butter powder to it. So just to give it that much more of a boost. And again, it's another 600 calories, I think 35 grams of protein per eight ounces. I can go on and on about those, <laughs> so, but those are kind of one of my basics. And so for these, because um, you were talking about these long distance treks you were doing, these would be things that you would have pre-prepared and pre-portioned out. It wouldn't, that, that doesn't sound like that would be something you could just grab and go from the grocery store when you were resupplying then. Other than the one that I just mentioned, the chocolate peanut butter shake you can get from the grocery store. Um, the carnation breakfast you get in the, the uh, breakfast style, the milk powder you can get there, and PB2 is the peanut butter powder. So that's the one that I actually re relied on that heavily during the Colorado Trail because I ran out of all my other ingredients to make the drinks and we didn't have time to order any. Um, and I also I use those as kind of my emergency backup meal. So I always carry one of them in my hip belt pockets. So if I do start feeling like I'm hitting the wall in the afternoon, I can pull that out right away and drink and then it gets me through until I do stop for dinner. So you pull out your dehydrated shake and you put it in a cup with water and boom, you're ready to go. I don't even put it in a cup. <laughs> so I, I just put the water in the bag. It's a Ziploc bag, put it in the bag, zip it up, shake it up. And then I drink straight out of the bag. So I don't even bother. I don't even bother dirtying a cup. <laughs> <laughs> now yeah. that sounds quite efficient. That's really good. So if you're going out, let's say on a shorter trek, let's say you were going to go out on a like four to six night backpack. I'm assuming in that case, you would have all of your meals pre-planned out and portioned out and carrying with you. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I think I've seen a video that you did one time where you were going out to do that and you had all your meals for a number of days in a single 
large Ziploc bag. And I was really impressed with how compact that was for such a, you know, like relatively long trip. And that's actually my specialty is I call it ultralight meal planning. I'm an, I'm an ultralight backpacker. So I count, I'm a gram person. I count every single gram. So I also do that for my food and how I can do that. I call it a use of combination foods. Um, so what I mean by that is every single bite that I eat has carbohydrate, protein, and fat in every single bite. So you can ultimately actually eat less food. Um, for an example, like the tuna wrap that a lot of people eat. So to get the carbs in, you have to eat the pita to get the protein in, you have to eat tuna and to get some fat in a little more protein, you maybe put cheese on it or a fat from mayonnaise. So those are multiple foods. Whereas what I would typically use is quinoa. And it has all of those things in it in one bite. So I can actually shrink down this volume of the food. Most of our meals are only a cup and you get all the nutrition you need in a cup. So you're not having to eat like multiple tortillas, that whole pack of tuna to get the same amount of calories in it. Um, but going back to how I pack my food, I recently did a post on this on Instagram. And I think I remember the video that you talked about is the Catalina Trail that we did um, or Catalina Isla Trail is that I individually, I organize my food by day in a Ziploc baggie um, because I don't like to think about what I want to eat every day. So I plan everything for 24 hours. Then that way I just pull that one bag out of my backpack and that's what I know I have to eat for the day. So if I haven't eaten all of it by the end of the day, then I know I need to put that in because I'm not going to recover as well because I already pre-planned all those things. So eating enough then is also affecting recovery. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Yeah. And as I've gotten older, I definitely don't recover as well as I used to. So I'm paying a lot more attention to it. And when you're preparing for a backcountry trip, then so then you're, you know, you're planning out all your meals, obviously. Um, and then are you paying attention to calories specifically? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and every trip is different and every hiker is different. So this is another thing that I think it's unfortunate because we have there are so many influencers out there that say you need to eat 3,500 calories or you need to eat 4,500 calories. And people are following those influencers recommendations, but every hiker is so different. Their age, their height, their weight, their metabolism. I mean, how much your backpack weighs, how long your trip is, how much elevation gain. Everything is so different. Um, that you can't rely on that like one size fits all recommendation. So that's when people come to me, they're like, how many calories should I eat, Aaron? I'm like, unfortunately, I can't tell you. Um, so what I recommend is people keeping a food journal. I mean, it takes a little bit of work initially, um, but that's how I figured out through time that I know what I need for like a weekend hike. I know what I need for like a moderate um, long distance hike and like at high altitude, I know what I need just from experience. So every one of my trips is totally different. And uh, I've just with experience, I figured that out and I feel pretty great now that I've kind of fine-tuned all those things. Do you have some favorite recipes that you tend to use over and over again? Oh gosh, yes. <laughs> um, actually, the one, like I said, I mentioned before that I actually eat it at home is one I just made for Backpacker Magazine. Um, it's in the, if you have Backpacker at Home listeners, um, it's in the January, February edition of 2022. It's my um, veggie backpacking pho. It is rice. It's literally tastes just like pho noodles that you would get at the restaurant. It's rice noodles. It has tofu in it, a, a ton of veggies, and then kind of my secret sauce that I've come up with that's all dry ingredients. Um, so that's the one I actually eat at home when I don't feel like making dinner. My garlic Parmesan ramen is one that everybody loves. It's another foodie fan favorite that's super easy. It's ramen noodles, um, some basil, garlic powder, salt and pepper, and Parmesan cheese and olive oil. I mean, they're totally normal ingredients and it is absolutely amazing. It is so yummy. 
Oh, that's good. And so I'm assuming with your website, when you have clients who are members, then they have access to a ton of these type of recipes to plan meals for themselves. Right. I think we have 185 in there right now. And every month I add at least one new one. Um, this month I'm actually adding six because I'm doing a new pl- new meal planning strategy for this. I'm doing the Condor Trail this season. Um, and I've what I've done is I'm making meal plans using Dollar Tree only foods, which unfortunately they just had that really bad problem with rodents <laughs> recently at the Family Dollar. So it's kind of bad timing. <laughs> um, but I'm this is kind of for people that are budget conscious or through hikers that need to resupply in, resupply in town. Um, at the minimal, you know, Dollar Trees tend to be what's there in town. So I'm making all my meals using those. So this month I'm uploading six of the recipes I just made for my Condor Trail trip. So this would be like if we went into the Dollar Tree, we would get all these different ingredients and, you know, just off the shelf, we could make a meal with it. Right. You'd be surprised um, what's there. So there, believe it or not, there's quinoa, there's couscous, and Parmesan cheese, tuna, all kinds of crackers and pretzels, and uh, actually fresh cheese too. Um, so it took a little bit of creativity, but you can actually put it together. I did a pretty good job. So when you're going out on the trail, not so much for the time when you're res- you know, you're picking stuff up to resupply in town, but let's say when you're going out, how are you preparing your meals? Like, are you using a dehydrator, or are you? using any special techniques? Um, For the most part, I use dry ingredients um, just because I like to be really quick. I'm kind of impatient. I'm a type A personality. so I know what that feels like. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's got to be very quick and done and easy. Um, If it takes too much effort, it's not going to happen. So most of our recipes are just dry ingredients. So you literally just pull out the dry ingredients and measure them in a bag, just dump, 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 seal it up and you're done. It only takes a few minutes. I have had requests for people that like to use their dehydrator. So I'm transitioning to more of those recipes this season um, just because people like to use their dehydrator. So I'm doing a little bit more of that. It's harder to do because you don't know what's gonna happen at the end once it's dry. So um, it takes a little more effort on my part to kind of figure out nutritionally what it's gonna look like. But that is something I'm trying to do a little bit more of. Yeah, that's in- interesting. I like that idea of just buying dry ingredients and making it into a meal because um, I-, I just bought a dehydrator myself or I got it for Christmas, but I was thinking, how am I going to use this now? <laughs> you know, like yeah. it came with a-, a recipe book, but I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know how I'm going to use it. but And it just seems so much simpler if you're using stuff that's already dried and just needs a quick rehydration. So that does sound enticing. Well, to be honest, I primarily use my dehydrator just to dry individual ingredients, so I don't have to purchase those. Um, so it's a money saver to dry strawberries or fruit, you know, or veggies, those kinds of things. Pasta. Actually, I use it a lot for pasta because I tend to like to cold soak pasta. Um, so for that to work, you actually have to pre-cook it and dry it. So that's primarily what I use my dehydrator for. Okay, well, that's good to know. I think I saw a video that you did about dehydrating pasta as a gift for your th- as a gift item for your through hiking friends. 
<laughs> and I thought, oh, that's a great idea. If someone gave me that, I would be happy. Right? It's like, I'd be so happy that somebody did that for me. Yeah, because <laughs> it's a lot of work. Um, the one thing I wondered about with like dehydrating meals um, is also like, how do you know it's safe? Because people will tell me, oh, yeah, you know, I am, um, I dehydrate all my meals. I just make extra throughout the year when, you know, when I'm making supper and then I dehydrate part of it for later on in the summer. And then I was wondering, do you have to worry about it going off though? Yes, absolutely. And a lot of those Facebook posts make me cringe, but I think for a lot of the people, they make it and then they eat it relatively soon. So you can kind of catch it before it goes bad. Um, but if you're going to do long distance hikes that you need to make it six months or more in advance, then you're really risking some of these things going bad. Um, the primary ingredients that are going to go bad are things with fat in them um, because fat doesn't dehydrate. It doesn't have water in it. And the, I learned this mistake early on is Parmesan cheese. Don't add it until you're ready to eat. <laughs> um, I had a Parmesan, ton of Parmesan cheese meals go bad because it's like, well, it sits in the canister at the, you know, the Winco, the, dis, you know, the dispensary thing. It's like, it must be fine. It's sitting at room temperature, but by the time it's been sitting out there, it's been sitting in my bag for a couple months. It is disgusting. So now I just carry a little canister with me and I dump it in whenever I'm ready to eat. And the other is nuts. Nuts tend to go rancid within about six months. I had that happen on the Appalachian Trail that I had all these amazing nut mixes and they'd gone bad. So those are something I typically leave out of the recipe until I'm just about ready to go. And then I'll put them in then just to keep it fresher. I was also wondering about meat because a lot of people say, oh, you know, I'm using my dehydrator. I'm dehydrating my spaghetti sauce with ground beef in it or, you know, my curry with chicken in it. And I wondered, how do you know that that meat's not gone off too? Uh, meat is typically okay for about 30 days at room temperature. Um, after that, you're risking it going bad. Um, so my recommendation is if you want to do those things, put it in the freezer because freezing it stops all the bioreactive kind of things going on. So that's the way to really prolong those. But not everybody has enough freezer space to store that kind of um, volume of food. Yeah. I guess then that um, makes it clear that if you were doing a through hike where you were sending yourself meals months in advance, you know, a big long one, then a lot of, from what you're telling me, a lot of those dehydrated meals, that's not going to work in that situation. Right. So for those people that like to do that, I recommend getting the freeze dried beef and chicken and those things. And that's going to last for a long time. So just substitute out like the regular ground beef that you would use. Um, and actually I use a lot of textured vegetable protein. I mean, I know it's a vegetarian thing, but it's shelf stable for so long and it provides similar nutrition and it, it works really well. So not those worries about things going off. Now, you had mentioned that you have a number of recipes where you can just get things out of the grocery store. And you talked about, you know, uh, using smoothies as an option. Um, and you talked about a lot of the staples that are present there um, that you can throw together. So off the, off the top of your head, are there, you mentioned your ramen recipe as well, but are there other things you can think of where you can quickly throw things together? Well, one thing I like to encourage people to do, because oatmeal tends to be kind of a backpacker friendly recipe uh, or meal, is that people just use the instant packets and there's just not enough nutrition and calories in an instant packet. So I just like to encourage people just to think like make it a power oatmeal, um, add the whole milk powder to it, add some nuts to it, add some like shredded coconut, add some extra fruit, um, those kind of things. So you can take it from like a 150 calorie packet to easily a 500 calorie meal that's really going to stick with you. Or even adding peanut butter to it. I have a peanut butter freeze-dried apple one that tastes amazing. It's so yummy. <laughs> 
Well, both that sounds like definitely a good idea. And how about quick lunches on the trail? My favorite is hummus. Um, and you can get hummus powder in the bulk bins lots of times at grocery stores. Um, if not, then there are a couple um, companies online that you can get it from. You can get it on Amazon. And it's super easy too. It's just add water. I like to add par- I'm a huge Parmesan cheese in. So I add Parmesan cheese, some garlic powder, maybe some salt and pepper, maybe some basil or something and olive oil. And it's literally just add water, stir, and it's ready to go. You don't even have to let it soak for more than a minute or two. Actually, I, I know my sister-in-law, she and I did um, part of the uh, John Muir Trail several years ago, and that was her favorite, was dehydrated hummus. And she had that almost every day, alternated with tuna uh, <laughs> for her lunches on the trail. I wondered if that was enough calories, though, but I guess if you're adding all these, if you're adding some Parmesan cheese and other things, you can amp the calories up. Right. I think ours, and I eat it with pretzels, because the pretzel thins, because they're pretty sturdy. Um, and I think by the time I just do one of the little snack bags of pretzels and the hummus, it's about a 600 calorie meal. So I'm usually pretty full. It's plenty for me. Yeah, well, that sounds good if you're getting up there, uh, you know, as far as calories. Um, you talked about how you had um, started cold soaking. And I know uh, Richard, who also does the podcast with me, uh, he in the last year has been experimenting that. Can you tell us a bit about that? And there were a lot of food failures that first time that I did it on the Oregon Coast Trail. I learned a lot that I will never do again. <laughs> the key, in my opinion, for cold soaking is soaking foods that are meant to be eaten cold and naturally. Um, I hear a lot of people saying like, oh, it's just it tastes so terrible. But when I ask, well, what did you try soaking? And they'll be like, well, chili mac or beef stroganoff or something like that. Um, well, that's not meant to be eaten cold. So my cold soak meals tend to be a lot of pasta salads. Um, I do bean dips is another one that I really like. Those are probably the ones that I cold soak that I can think about. Oh, chia puddings. I really like too. Those are really good. So for cold soaking, the premise of that is that by, you know, soaking your meals for a long period of time before you actually eat them, but not heating them up, then you're saving the weight of fuel. Right. So you're not, well, and like I like to eat out of the bag, I won't even necessarily need a pot. Um, so if I pack the uh, perfect size bag, then I just add the water, zip it up, and then I can eat straight out of the bag. So I can potentially leave the pot at home, my stove at home, my canister at home, a lighter at home. Um, so all those extra things that I wouldn't need for a regularly cooked meal kind of thing. Right. So you're saving, you mentioned you were ultralight backpacker. So that's quite a few grams there that you're talking about that you'd be saving with. Um, if you're cold soaking a breakfast... Any, are you, are you having pasta salads three times a day then? <laughs> um, well, then I would actually call those no-cook meals. Um, so there's for my no-cook meals, that's essentially just adding water and stirring. I've gotten to be a really good fan of just cold cereal, um, just raisin, raisin bran that I've added extra nuts to. I've maybe added some shredded coconut to, the whole milk powder. There's other ones that like granola, just get granola and freeze-dried berries in it, add whole milk powder. Um, so any variety of like cold cereals are super easy. Um, you could do overnight oats. The trick with overnight oats though, is you need to be careful that make sure that the, the milk powder should only be at room temperature for two hours or less. Um, so you just need to make sure you're going to be camping in cold enough, um, area so that it stays cool overnight if you're going to cold soak. So, or else you could wake up to sour milk. Yeah, that wouldn't be that good. 
Right. <laughs> no. Well, that sounds exciting. Any other tips that you uh, offer to your clients who are heading off, maybe maybe for their you know first big trip? Practice all your meals at home before you go. <laughs> um, so it might sound really yummy when you're putting it all in the bag, but it may not work out as well as you think um, when you're there. And also, if you are going to try to cold soak things, um, try cold soaking at home so you can kind of have a good idea of how long it's going to need to cold soak. Um, that's another reason why I like doing homemade meals because they're so inexpensive to make that if it doesn't work, you're only out a few dollars instead of you're out to like a $10 meal that you just can't eat. Um, so because there's been times when I first started that I would buy a backpacker's pantry meal, didn't taste it before I left. And then it was just horrible when I was there. Then you have to stomach it, you know, get through it um, just because you know you need to eat. So my biggest advice is to try as much as you can before you even hit the trail. Yeah, that's a good idea. How about though for those people um, whose their taste buds change? Because I also hear stories of that, that people have, you know, mailed themselves meals ahead of time, but by the time they get there, they just can't face another, you know, X, Y, or Z. I find that also with some bars, you know, that I've taken with me that some of them I've just had, and, and, and not even that many times. Sometimes it's just, you know, twice too many and I just can't stomach them. Well, it's for me, it's nuts. Like I love nuts at home, but I can't stand the taste of nuts when I'm hiking. I have no idea why it is, but that's what I've learned with time. Um, so I think the key is, and I've noticed this one, th some through hikers is they'll make 20 servings of the same oatmeal. Well, they make 20 servings of the same lunch is just making sure there's a lot of variety. So if you're going to do oatmeal, have like an apple cinnamon oatmeal, have like a I don't know, pecan, apricot, something, you know, switch it up. So it's all different. Um, same thing with lunches, just make sure there's a wide variety of things. And then if you're lucky enough to have helpers at home, don't seal up your boxes, <laughs> then let your helper, you can talk to them in advance. This is what I do with my husband now. It's like, you know, I'm sick and tired of X. So then he'll pull that out and put it like four boxes down. Um, so he'll just move things around. So well, that kind of thing. Um, and then again, going all the way back to why I use the grocery store ingredients is that way you can go to the grocery store and pick up what you're hungry for. Um, our recipes are actually, can also be in PDF, um, download form. So what I've done is I save them to my phone. So if there's something that I'm craving, I just pull up that recipe, then you can go to the grocery store and get those ingredients. And then you can make five or six servings of it, ship them ahead to your other boxes. Um, so you're not wasting a lot of food or Hiker families, they tend, they'll probably be in on it. They'll be like, oh, wow, that sounds really yummy. Let me have a few of those. So you can, you can go in on the expense of the food that way too, if you're afraid of like having too much of things. Variety is super key. Um, Cause similar thing like bars, I just can't eat bars anymore. So I've transitioned to only eating trail mix for my snacks. Actually, I think I've made that uh, variety mistake myself. I know last summer I made this really incredible oatmeal for breakfast that I was so excited about. I put in, you know, instant oats and some coconut milk powder and some freeze-dried fruit. And I got it so that it, it just had like, it was really nice and creamy and it tasted delicious. And I think the first five times I just loved it. And then by the end of the summer, like I could barely eat it, but like it hadn't changed. I think I just had, like you said, I'd use that same recipe every for every breakfast and I just couldn't face it so well now I know better than to do that <laughs> right no I've made the same mistakes too so <laughs> yeah we probably all do that make mistakes and learn from it you know I, 
I, I've just learned so much talking to you. It's been great. Yeah, this is actually a dream job for me because I get to now combine my passion of food and backpacking and I get to go backpacking for a living. It's like trail testing food is like a job, but I absolutely love it. So if people are going all the way back to kind of my story, if you feel like you're stuck um, where you are, you never know what could be if you don't take the leap. So that's something I also try to inspire people to do is, you know, go for it. You never know. And I'm so glad that I did that. I can't imagine going back to what I was doing before. So it's a really an amazing story to, you know, just walk away from everything. Like, you know, it sounds terrifying, but then you've ended up like doing something you really are passionate about. It was absolutely terrifying <laughs> because I went from having a paycheck that I could rely on every day to, and then we later on, like I mentioned, moving into the sprinter van, we were both unemployed. Um, so, and now it's just, it's a stable income. Actually, I just hired a virtual assistant. I've got contractors working for me. Um, so it's actually grown so much that I can't do it all by myself. So it's actually, it's really exciting. Oh, well, it's exciting and very impressive too. And if people wanted to get your services, do you do like personal consultation? as well? I do that too. Um, so if the website is kind of a DIY, uh, we also have a meal planning, uh, meal planner tool on the website to where you can make your meal plans. It's plug and play. It tells you all the nutrition you need. Um, I think I have 45 days worth of sample meal plans already on there that you can use kind of as a way to get started. Um, but if you're wanting a little more individualized help, or if you're just like, I don't know how much to eat, I'm struggling, like I'm on a special diet, then I do one-on-one -on -one coaching for that. And I also, if you have a PCT hike kind of thing coming up and you're like, you know, I don't have time. I'm busy doing all these other things. Can you write my meal plans? I'll write meal plans for people too, for their trips and then help also strategize if throughout the trip too. So if you're really struggling, lose a lot of weight, then that can kind of help you figure out what's going on and keep that from happening. So you make it through your trip. So then you'll have people who are on a long trek messaging you periodically saying, hey, this is happening or that's happening, and then get some advice on how to manage it. Oh, that would be helpful. I could really see that would be a good uh, service. Yeah. And I actually have someone right now that's, I also have started helping bariatric hikers that folks that have had bariatric surgery, they've lost all their weight. Now they're wanting to get out in the backcountry. Um, and it's hard to get enough nutrition and eat a little one cup of serving of food. So I'm starting to help those kind of folks to be active because they're trying to lead, lead their dream life now that they've made these huge changes. So that's something else I've started helping with. Oh, that sounds amazing. If people wanted to get in touch with you or see what you're doing or follow you, where can they get in touch with you? So the website's backcountryfoodie.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Backcountry Foodie, Facebook, Backcountry Foodie, YouTube. And we also just started a TikTok um, because my virtual assistant is young and super into TikTok. It's not my thing. So <laughs> she, has, she has me making videos whenever I go backpacking now. So we're starting a TikTok right now. Um, and then you can feel free to email me, Erin at backcountryfoodie.com. Um, I'm more than happy to help. Again, this is something I'm super passionate about. So um, just feel free to ask any questions that you have and I'll see what I could do to help. Oh, that sounds great. And we'll put all of those links that you just mentioned in the show notes. Um, so we get all the spelling right if people want to get in touch with you. Uh, well, it's been great having you on the show. Thank you so much for talking to us. Oh, sure. Thanks for having me. Great. Um, and we'll leave all that information in the show notes for those of you wanting to take a look at what Aaron's doing. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. If you liked it, why not give us a review? Better yet, subscribe and get inspired again and again. Also, if you want to find your own adventures, why not check out 10adventures.com where you can use our free resources to plan your own trip or book a tour in over 60 countries and make your own epic memories on your next adventure.